Welcome to Beer and a Movie, the only fuck it, the <laughs> podcast where we combine two of the some of the greatest art forms known to humanity: beer and movies. You're gonna read no, this off on, the script. Sometimes I can't get it. I can't get it. I Welcome to Beer and a Movie, the podcast where we combine two of the greatest art forms known to humanity: beer, beer and, and movies. movies. Sometimes achieving outstanding pairings, pairings, and other, and other times, times giving, giving ourselves, ourselves the opportunity, opportunity to watch, watch terrible tapes to failure from our mouths. My name is Joe Hilliard. Of course, I'm always joined by two great gentlemen. Dave Gurney. And Carlos Cooper. And we're going to drink a beer. Teamwork makes the dream work, Joe. We're going to pour a beer. We're going to talk about a movie. Right. We're going to talk about the beer that we just drank. And then we're going to do all of that again. And we've got the same director, front and back, two great beers. Tops to bots. Hopefully, maybe I could hear if y'all drank any great beers or watched any great movies over the Thanksgiving holiday. Happy, happy belated Thanksgiving to everybody listening. Yes. Yeah, happy belated Thanksgiving. The the uh, the beer needs to get into the glass, and I see Carlos holding a can, so... I am. Not normally in a can, this beer. Um, this is from Brooklyn Brewing Company. Um, is there a documentary about them or something? Oh, I think, I think you may Something be right. with the, he- the brewmaster, uh, G- Garrett. Garrett, um, Garrett, what's his name? Shoot. Really, really interesting guy to hear talk about beer. I yeah. like that guy. Yeah, I, I very watched, knowledgeable. I, I watched has something. written about beer, has written, brewed beer, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I think it was a blind taste test on some random, one of those Facebook page publication things that does all the clickbaity stuff. It was really good. Anyway, <laughs> um, so this is from Brooklyn Brewing Company. This is their Black Ops series, Four Roses, Small Batch Edition. So this is a stout aged in Four Roses, Small Batch Bourbon Barrels. You know what the fucking deal is. Uh, 12.4 ABV. I've only had this beer one other time, and it wasn't the Four Roses edition. It was just Black Ops, and Kylie got me a bottle of it for my birthday one year. Garrett Oliver. Garrett Oliver. And I think you're referring to 2013's Brewed in Brooklyn, a documentary about exactly the brewery that we're enjoying tonight. But there is also that good video where he blind taste tests stuff. And what they're doing is they're giving him some beers that are... um, craft beers mm-hmm. that are expensive and then some mass produced beers to see if he can yeah. tell the difference or whatever what's his record I, I'm, you gotta watch the video okay <laughs> but if he's impressed he was pretty good at it probably yeah I, 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 he's he's, he, he's so very dark. interesting to hear talk about beer yeah very knowledgeable guy and in general brooklyn brewery has been uh, a solid craft brewery for many many years right i mean i'm probably gonna get i feel like there's one that's been around like 25 maybe oh 88 oh wow even longer so been around a long time they've been around a long time they were definitely there in the 90s i kind of remember um you know in my my first trips to new york it's almost almost 35 years yeah yeah um so but that was around 2000 anyway you know storied brewery at this point uh but but this is one of those hefty boys uh that they have and tastes like ethanol just kidding okay (laughs) so we're about to find out how good this new spin on black ops is and the reason that we thought maybe the black ops would go well with this first part of the episode is that you know there's some nefarious doings there's some clandestine operations taking place especially towards the third act of the film we are going to be talking about in the top of the episode. That is the 2021 release, just came out this past weekend, uh, The House of Gucci by director Ridley Scott, mm-hmm. uh, based House on... House of Gucci. 
House of Gooch, as, as Carlos is fond of saying. You've already shortened it to Gooch a couple times off mic. I feel like we're going to be hearing Gooch a lot. It's just funny. It's <laughs> you find Italian surnames funny, man? I, they are kind of funny. I will, I will say more about that momentarily. <laughs> well, so this is rough or loosely, I should say, based on a inspired. 2000- Inspired. The title card says inspired. Well, the the, the, which doesn't build a lot of audience trust. I feel. Well, no. I mean, (sighs) and you know, we can talk about the finer points of this, but anytime you have something, whether it be a straight up biopic or you know a uh, a dramatization of some real events. Mm You're going to have to play around with it to make the drama work. You're going to pull some things. You're going to collapse characters. You're going to take certain figures out. You're going to. Yeah. Are you going to mess with timeline a little bit? For sure. And I understand that it's a film, not a documentary. So you have to mess with that. And, you know, look, in our um, debates on film, we have gotten into. Uh, discussions of semantics There's and a lot of like ethanol that. on the nose there. I, I'm sorry, I just went in for <laughs> a little. Yeah. I, was, yeah. I was just joking about that. Um, <laughs> I haven't really tasted that much, but anyway, oh, we, 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 we've gotten into discussions about semantics and word choice when trying to make a certain point or whatever. Right. And I feel like in this case, based on a true story, sounds more convincing to me than inspired by. I know it's a small point. Yeah. Um, but it is a point when I when I saw inspired by I was like wait this movie is being pitched to me as like this really happened but when I hear inspired like inspired by a true story is Texas Chainsaw Massacre yeah that's inspired by <laughs> right well that's yeah t- grabbing not, different not events and putting them together and yeah I, I I hear what you're saying okay well anyway the I'm story sorry. that inspired it the uh, <laughs> the the story of the family behind the um, the fashion house Gucci. Uh, primarily originally known for its leather goods, right? It's yeah. uh, handbags, purses, that that kind of thing. Um, but expanding Jeez. throughout the world of fashion into uh, you know cl- various types of clothing and accessories and whatnot, right? Anyhow, but this is a you know a segment of that history towards the end of the family's control of the Gucci brand, the, the, the House of Gucci, where at this point in its history there are two brothers who are the descendants of the father who started the company. We don't really see him, right? He's already passed. It's, it's the, the two, brothers are already pretty two old. older brothers who are already, yes, In Aldo and Rodolfo. Um, their offspring, primarily though, again, here's some collapsing and excising. It's portrayed as though Aldo only has one son, Paolo, um, played by Jared Leto and, and Aldo being played by Al Pacino. You have those two and then you have Rodolfo, who's, being portrayed by Jeremy Irons mm-hmm. and Adam Drivers, the the son to that character, Maurizio. Maurizio. Um, Maurizio kind of on the outside of the business, at least as the film begins, not really wanting to just go into the family trade. The um, Paolo desperately wanting more and more to be in the family trade or more of a part of it. And it's kind of the power dynamics and shifts within that family with the wild card being thrown in or that, you know, the disruptor being thrown in of uh, the character portrayed by Lady Gaga. Patrizia. Patrizia. Um, what's, what's the surname on hers? Uh, come Reg- on. You're lo- Reggiani. Oh, Reggiani. Yeah. Um, it makes me think of a cheese. Parmigiano well, Reggiano. I, I was going to say, I was going to say Reggiano when you were asking. Yeah. But it's Reggiani. It's Reggiani. Yeah. Um, Truckers. So she comes in, um, you know, early in the film, uh, marries or, you know, courts and then marries uh, Maurizio 
and what we're seeing is kind of their relationship, how that sort of wreaks havoc with the House of Gucci, and then eventually what the aftermath of that all is when Maurizio uh, tires of Patrizia. Patrizia. Yeah. Look, here's the thing. About Did I synopsize it? The, yeah, no, that's okay. it. That's all it. Right, that's okay. it. Yeah. Here's the thing about this movie. If you if you could be racist towards Italians, this movie would be. <laughs> hmm. You mean like if they had the chance, they would? But no, they just I feel like if that it? was, I feel like you know, Italians or white folks can't really be racist towards white folks. Uh, so you so talking like you, about the over the top caricature you of can't, the Italian? But this is absurd. It's abs- it's absurd the portrayal of Italian people. In oh this man, movie. it could it could get so much worse than this. We're, th- th- we're, think about I, mean, we, I didn't is, see one scene of somebody twirling a huge mound of pasta into their mouth and like saying, "Oh, mamma mia!" You know, I didn't get any of that. But you are less than a step away from that. Uh, I mean, I think this film is is if, definitely if trading this, in excess in many ways, and I so I understand where you're coming from. But I think it has less to do with the Italianicity of it than it does the the sort of wealth and excess of of that. I think the element. only reason we didn't see the pasta twirling is because it's about wealthy fashion tycoons who are so prim and proper and well put together that they would never be seen slurping pasta or like eating. Pasta. I don't think they actually eat. It, it wasn't. Bother- they, it they, wasn't they don't consume food. No, I don't. didn't give it thought, but that doesn't mean you're wrong. I, I don't just, know how I you didn't did it. Give it thought because I, I, I kind of. David said it pretty well, and that is that this film is dealing in excess, you know, uh, yes. c- comically. Uh, I mean, to a comic level. Okay, so here's my next question. Is this a comedy? Scott calls, it, Scott calls it a comedy. He does. I, I, he calls it a comedy satire, yeah. I, okay. I mean, I found it to be a comedy, at least for the first two acts. Yeah. I, I thought it was a garish kind of excessive dark satire of this elite family but there is a there is a turn there towards the end where it feels like it wants to shift into a more serious tone and that's what i'm not sure that it nails and what i think a lot of people have gotten hung up on about this film at least from what i'm hearing in the chatter is the unevenness in tone and like is that the question you ask is a pertinent one is this a comedy if so, let's judge it on those standards. Yeah. But if you want it to be a serious drama, then maybe we judge it on those. And we can obviously blend the two, but did we blend uh, the two successfully? You can, uh, in, in theory, you can. You're correct. I, I well, going into it, thought I was getting a serious drama. And then people in the theater are laughing out loud. I never laughed. I didn't find any part of it super funny. But you must have at Funny least understood enough, with Leto when when they were. Laughing. I I wouldn't. I I mean I was. I understood why they were laughing. Uh huh. But I wasn't sure that they were supposed to be laughing, which is a direct quote from Tom Ford when he he wrote a thing about this about this film. Yeah. Uh, and was just like I was laughing, but I wasn't sure if I was supposed to be. Uh, yeah. And he had a lot more to say about it than that. But sure. Um, I I think, but I I just I I never I never laughed out loud because hmm. I didn't think that I was supposed to. See, be. I, I didn't laugh out loud at Jared Leto's clearly supposed to be funny lines uh, and delivery. <laughs> his his I, I the vocal it. register that he operates I got it. in. It, just, yeah. it, did, it did not connect with me as humorous. It connected with me as oh. they're trying really hard to be funny right now. 
However, I would say that Jared Leto did a really good job, and I would say Jeremy Irons was did an exceptional job. Jeremy uh, Irons I've, and Al Pacino were the only ones I really bought in a big way. I don't know. I found I found Pacino. Oh, I'm sorry. I found Irons a little. I thought it was one so dimensional. Good. I I did I did not yeah. get a lot out of that, and and I think part of it is the. There just weren't that many scenes with the character. The character was yeah, basically think... just a wet blanket to Maurizio, like yeah. not letting him. I thought he did a great job. I, I think he was written one dimension. I, I thought yeah. Adam Driver yes. and Lady Gaga both did a good job. I, I think. Oh, Gaga was. Did you think I, if the you... Driver did a good job? Yeah, I did. Okay. I, but I like him in a I way think that Gaga I know was that you fantastic. Do not. She's getting the accolades, and she deserves the accolades. This she She's embodies this. For she it. embodies this character. It's a and, and navigates it through all the tones that we were just talking about, where you have seen with her and Leto where I was laughing a, a lot at Leto but she was like playing a good straight man to him yeah. and then you had scenes with her and Driver which were more romantic where or sometimes over the top excessively romantic uh, and even yeah, histrionically can we talk about that oh. sex scene well I mean we don't need to talk about it we all felt it uh, <laughs> I felt something and it was not positive I did not care for that I thought it was cartoonish and just oh yeah, like, it was I'm, cartoonish. And, 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 and by that point, I'm not. I still don't think I'm. I, I still don't think I'm supposed to be laughing at it. I think that I'm. I, oh, I'm, wow. I'm thinking like, okay, they think that this is a serious film that they're making here, and this is what's happening in it. This is not good. Like, oh. you know, I was, I was just. And and granted, I didn't think it was bad. Like when we left the theater, you know, it was fine. It. Almost to the point where, I, had I had I not waited until the very last minute to see it, I might have messaged y'all and been like, "You guys want to do something else? I don't really have anything to say about this, other than the standard points of like, yeah, I don't really like Adam Driver, yeah, the, you know, whatever, st- just I the normal stuff you would expect me to say." Similar reaction to you, and but but again, I thought, especially because the way the film I I felt has been marketed to me was as a drama. And so when all this like crazy, hammy, campy, over the top stuff is happening, I'm like, wait a second, what is happening here? I, I got, what am I supposed to be feeling? I got into the flow of it more than you did, and I, I could I could see and feel where Scott was taking us. I we could talk about the performances. We I, I, perfectly willing. I have we could to talk, talk about, about the cinematography. We can talk about the filmmaking technique. We can talk about Ridley Scott taking a departure from the science fiction and the Roman sandals. You know, to, well, he's he's long and, departed. From and he he has done those fiction. things, but but no, well, I, Prometheus. Didn't. No, he's come back to it. But I'm saying like he he, he, he has not he been cast detours. as just a sci-fi no. horror but director. This is one of the films that time. demonstrates what he can do when he leaves those genres. Is really all that I meant. Yeah. Okay. Which we'll and, talk about more in the second. Half. Sure, and um, I, I don't care. I, I didn't care about any of it. Is the problem that this film house has for me? And I don't know if it's just because I find the whole name brand, high dollar, sure premium dollar do purchases pretty silly. But I understand that that, that well, is that's, a business. That's that part I, of what makes me love this film. And and but I did not connect you, with so it you that way. This and, okay, I regret no. that I didn't because I imagine that someone else, maybe you, David, ha, ha, could have a very positive yeah. experience. With Overall, it. I don't love the film, but something that I love about it is that I think that it was the right instinct to go for that excess and that campiness and that over the top that the first two acts had. Because of exactly what you're talking about, Joe. Like to me, Gucci 
is this thing that's existed all my life that I hear. It's just this like buzzword that that people say that means class and wealth and a part of society that I don't tap into, I just look at as a, as a spectator off yeah. in the distance. It's like, oh, this is what people who have, you know, vast sums of money to spend on anything would clothe themselves in and the attire that they would wear. You know, that, that's how I have thought of Gucci. And to have my peek into the world of what was driving that show how moronic and ridiculous and human these characters are in reality... I think was perfect. I mean, that that's exactly the kind of experience that I want to have when I go to a film called House of Gucci. I don't want a reverential, like, sure, these people have created the greatest f- footwear anybody has ever seen. You know, like, I don't want that experience. I don't want the the lavish documentary that's going to show me why. The, the worship from a style of it. Stage. Yes, I don't want the I'm hagiography of the Gucci family. Sure. I want the dark satirical takedown of... No, they're all they were all messed up and they have their own kind of interpersonal squabbles that ruined them as a family essentially. Yeah, sure. And you know, the brand lives on because it's like everything's swallowed up by conglomerates that now, you know, manage it. Do, correctly. Yeah, right. Yeah. The, the manage it thing. in a way that's profitable. Just hire the designer who's of the moment, Tom Ford, you know, when they initially kind of broke off like that, but now others have come in. You know, it's yeah. And now it's just a thing unto itself that has no connection to this sure. family that right. originally started it. Because right. the family is fallible. They're human. Corporate culture lives forever corporations live people. forever um yeah i mean so here's the thing is that i agree with what you're saying i think a reverential kind of take at the gucci's would have fallen flat for me but this also falls flat for me because i feel like what you described of like these are human people they're fallible they're like they may they're fucked up and like whatever yeah. The part where that misses for me is that I didn't feel like these were human people. They read as cartoon characters to me, and it made it hard to relate to them. The only character that I really, at any point, quote-unquote, felt anything for, which is a stretch, which is why I'm using the quotes, was was Paolo. But it's only because... I love an underdog, and I wanted him to fucking well, plus drop some a collection that, that was amazing. I was watching you know, it, and I was like, especially when he was wearing that tracksuit, I'm like, this is something that Carlos would dig. Yeah, like, he 100%. would want that. I, I own that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm a replica of it. Uh, <laughs> no, but like, he was the only Stay one where I was just like... style, though. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I just wanted this guy who everyone shat on his whole life to succeed. Yeah. And of course yeah. he doesn't very much does and the most probably tragic of all the stories um and at least in how the film tells it yeah and how how his life ends um right is more so what i'm referring to yeah it's like where he ends up but i other than i mean but even him it was still the the underdogness of his character i can i could grab onto a little bit but then i couldn't get both hands on because of what a ridiculous caricature he was you know what i yeah. mean and i felt like that about a lot of the characters like um sometimes lady gaga's russian in this film sometimes she's italian it really ebbs and flows <laughs> between the two she didn't really quite land on a dialect yeah. um and with her the first like maybe 15 minutes of the movie i'm like oh it's lady gaga and then huh. it, t- it took a while for me to be like 
Okay, now see, I think I think I'm she settled you. into something closer to no, Gaga I, I thought, later. I, I've, I, I like the her. beginning. I bought more, but it was like older. So the stuff that was happening in the seventies, I think, in part because of the costume and the music, and I, I, I could also not really place when any of this film was taking place. Really, it was. Oh my until, god, until that until disco club well, scene. Well, that well that that I understood. Yeah, but then the next scene, we're getting like. George Michael's faith. Well, that that's a few later, but yes, yeah, that was a weird moment. That was a weird that's choice. That's a terrible song. That choice. was a weird choice. <laughs> that was a bad. The, the song and, choices in this movie, save for the Giorgio Moroder Donna Summer song, are bad. I did not like the song choices. They're very, very obvious. Now that's what I call music greatest hits song choices. Um, it, it 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 didn't it didn't it didn't go over super well for me. Throw in an ESG song in there for like you know the eighties at some point, or give me some give me a deeper cut, something that something that has the aesthetic of the time period, but that I haven't heard ten thousand times. You know, yeah, because otherwise it plays so lowest common denominator kind of cookie cutter. Uh, I'm gonna play this. I'm gonna play Thriller so that you know it's Halloween, 1985, or whatever. You know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, a lot I, of that didn't really work for me, and Faith definitely stood out. That me. was that, odd. That, that was the one. For I me. And, and the whole time I'm thinking like, where did they find this obscure cover of an incredible Limp Biscuit song, and why are they playing it for a wedding scene? Uh, <laughs> I couldn't figure it out. Choices, I couldn't choices. figure it out. Uh, I would like well, son well, of a... my last my last point. I did think that eventually Lady Gaga settles in, and I do think that she's a fairly talented actor. I just I have a hard time with the Lady Gaga ness of it. I mean, she is she's Lady Gaga, man. I don't like, know though. That, it's, like it's tough. It's no, tough. I, for I me. got lost I, in it. I got I, lost. In I, it. I get. Yeah. I I did eventually. I did at all. The it hair. It just takes me a while to settle in. Like it didn't at all. Like she's her face is there, I get that, but I don't know. I just, I guess, like I came to know Lady Gaga as like the music video Lady Gaga, for sure. Which so was did always I. ostentatious costumes yes. and crazy well, sets. No, one hundred percent. I mean, I I used to work. So overnight. I don't see that here. Well, no, but here, but here's my larger point about that is like, so I, I used to work overnight at Whataburger. and I would come home and it would be like six thirty a.m. That's when I, I got off at six a.m. and the only thing on TV that's not an infomercial is VH1 playing music videos. So for like eight months, I fell asleep to the poker face video every time I got off work. And Did you get a food discount as an employee? Yeah, 50%. It's a pretty good discount. Um, it might have changed since the corporate takeover, but it's neither here nor there. So, I mean, that's OG Lady Gaga, poker face, just dance. Like that's early career Lady Gaga. And I've always liked her. I've always liked her as a musical artist. Um but she's evolved so much over the years is my larger point that sure. her as a, as a musician has taken so many different uh, shapes and forms that I'm used to seeing her transform and yet still be recognizable as Lady Gaga. Yeah. So now yeah. transferring that over into acting, I'm seeing you transform, but I'm used to that already. So it takes me a little bit to settle into like, okay, you've transformed and shifted your look, but you're, but you're not Lady Gaga. You're this other character. Uh, and uh, other than that, I think Adam Driver has pulled off the best con in Hollywood history <laughs> by convincing people he's a good actor because he's fucking terrible at acting. Lady Gaga has now primed herself with two performances in a row, whether she wins any awards for this she one She is or 100% not. winning the Oscar for this. Uh, I feel like... The Star is Born and this, she has now primed herself to be a... Um, accepted in you're going to get a Lady Gaga movie every couple of years now yeah and given how 
well she's done with her film career, I expect them to be well-produced films. They will be well-produced films. So, so I, and I don't mind I don't know that. if they'll be good films. My, my, my issue with the film, again, was that I just, I never, ever connected with caring about any of it. And See, I I did a little bit with Pat- Patrizia. I mean, I I think that Gaga's performance, how they situate the character in terms of the story, too, make her fairly sympathetic. Now, there is, I think, once you get to the third act and the direction she goes there, um, I did. I, I did. I couldn't look hang up the with real it. life case. I was just curious, yeah. like how how true to all of right. it it was. Yeah, I didn't look it up either. Pretty much. Also, love Salma Hayek. That part was pretty close. Yeah. That part was pretty close. She did decide yeah. to hire hitmen, and she did have this friend Pina, who was right. A, I, but she didn't meet her as a psychic on TV. <laughs> that was that was dreamed up. And, but again, I think that kind of plays into the excess and the kind of you know the, the sure. satire of it. But um, but that that part was was pretty accurate. Although she disputes that she actually called for the hit and that she was just kind of speculatively talking about it with people, and that Pina people, was the one who plural. like kind of was like, "Well, she really wants this done. Let's do it." You know right. that, that that kind of thing. But um, but I did. I did, I largely did buy in from the opening right up through almost two hours of it. You know, it's because this is like a two and a half hour yeah, affair. Like right under 2.30. And I didn't feel like it dragged, I, strangely I enough. It I didn't know, drag. No. I know that, you know, some, some folks have said that it, it gets bogged down. I really didn't feel like it did. If anything, I walked away feeling like it was a bit compressed in that there were things that I felt like, you know, you're talking about Paolo as the underdog, which I think is true in a certain, in, in a way. I mean, he's positioned that way. But his character is really never developed. In, and he's, he's a doofus. Always his doofus. I actually do. I appreciate what Leto did with it. I think it was, I think it's funny. I, I laughed a lot at, at his character that w- whenever he was speaking. Um, you know, I, 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 I found it amusing. And, and he is like the clown of the family. They describe him as a clown. Mm-hmm. He acts as a clown. <laughs> he's just, you know, like this comic relief that's that that's constantly coming in there and also being used as a pawn in this like bigger game that's being played yeah. for control of the you know the House label Gucci, the brand yeah. yeah 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 i think i think a couple of things i think one ridley scott has two modes like very serious dramatic epic kind of mm-hmm. filmmaking and just full on cheese camp cornball and I think this one falls on the camp side when it shouldn't have. I understand like the decisions behind it, but it's a movie with a massive budget that's going to be an Oscar contention that to it's, me... It's custom made for Oscar contention. For sure. Yeah. But to me, and I'm, I'm going to be so angry when Adam Driver gets a nom for it. Like it's, I'm going to come unfucking glued but I know it's going to happen. Uh, I appreciate the emotional investment. This is a, uh, this is, this is a party film. This is a midnight movie. This is a Hmm. throw stuff at the screen, laugh at all the over the top performances. I mean, Mm It's. But I don't feel that it goes so. Oh, see, that's the thing. I don't. It feel does it goes with Paulo oh, though. So it does. Over the top that we celebrate it for that. I don't think that at a party everyone's going to go. Hey, look, it's that Jared Leto well, thing that he does. Well, no, I. I for this movie, I, I do not think that's I, going to happen. Well, no, it won't happen. But I think 
that that's the best thing that it could have going for it, but it doesn't even excel in that regard either. I think it lives in this weird limbo between all of these different things and doesn't quite work very well as any of them at one time. Mm. You know what I mean? And I, you know, yeah, yeah, I maybe don't, I, don't, I don't disagree. Maybe we're, just, we're coming had, at the same conclusion from two different angles, and that's well, for, the most. That's really interesting to me. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can, yeah. I, I can this see that. This is the first movie that my 82 year old mother has been to in two and a half years. Oh man! And <laughs> I we we went to Thanksgiving night. Yeah. And I it was the dust had settled, and it was like let's go see this movie that I got to go see, and every everyone was in. Yeah. It was I was the only male in our group, but yeah. everyone. Oh yeah, I definitely want to see that. Mm-hmm. And my mom was sitting there, and I just assumed that she wouldn't deal with the stairs. And you know, I go, "Mom, would you like to go to the movie?" She's like, "I couldn't think of anything else I'd rather do." And then she, on the way there, she's like, "I don't even care what movie we're gonna go see. I'm just going Aww. to, a, I'm just going to a movie theater." And she was so excited. Now, now after the movie, so what'd you think? She goes, "I had no idea that this movie was gonna be so good." <laughs> that's awesome hey. do you remember Joe we were in Europe in 1986 and we went I bought that Gucci bag remember my Gucci uh, bag <laughs> this was going on when I bought anyway that's funny that's so funny. I, you know I and I I didn't I didn't therefore like yeah. tear it apart for her yeah, I don't she think was enjoying is, it so much but um, I don't think this is midnight movie material or party movie, movie material as much as it is like soapy campy like date night I, material. I think Tom Ford described it as uh, dynasty esque. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Soapy, yeah. campy date yeah. night. But you know, this but is. That, this is, is. I think this is a film, and based on the limited sort of uh, you know anecdotal survey that we've uh, done, your mom loved it. Yeah. Everyone Aaron, else, my partner, who I went with, loved it too. She was very happy with yeah. with the experience of going to see this film. I did too. I mean, I chuckled with her. I don't think it's a perfect movie. Like I said, I think it doesn't quite make the transition into that third act as smoothly as it wants to, and I don't think that it earns the kind of pathos maybe that it's aiming for towards the end of it. Uh, but the Gucci's I never felt- are not fond of it. Well, but they're also, but they're also <laughs> saying they're also saying what I love is what I love is, and, and I'll, I'm sorry, I'm interrupting right. here. But the, what I love is is that the family Gucci, who has no fucking rights to the name anymore, yeah. hate it. The house of Gucci, they totally went along with it. I'm they sure they, they love played it, in yeah. it. They're loving the branding. They're all like so. Corporations live forever. Yeah. Gucci, the family, these humans, fuck them. <laughs> yeah, they're upset because, and I read an article about it. That they, they're upset because don't believe that this is who these people right, were. Right. And the a judge that watches this movie with half of a brain would dismiss the lawsuit because that's exactly what we're not supposed to do. Ridley Scott is presenting a fairy tale. You may hear me say that again. Here. He's not trying to do the serious film that Carlos was expecting. Yeah. And, but to me, he just doesn't deliver this inflated, buffoonish version of Dynasty that I think he was going for. But I could see what he was trying to go for the entire time. It just, the whole time I was like, this isn't quite landing. This isn't quite landing. This mm-hmm. isn't quite landing. And, and you know, it... I really wanted to like it. You know what yeah. I mean? I was going with an eager audience to a movie on Thanksgiving with my entire family. Yeah. But, oh, disappointed. Well, yeah. I don't even know if I was disappointed because I don't think I had a lot of expectations for it. 
but I did feel a kind of nothingness after, which maybe is what capitalism is supposed to make me feel. <laughs> uh, but mission accomplished. Uh, but mm-hmm. I know that I know that Kylie walking out of it was also kind of like, yeah, there was some stuff, you know. And she's like very fashion minded and you know really yeah you know cares about the kind. I mean I, I mean I, I care about that stuff too. And actually, when the movie ended, Kylie got on her phone and the first thing we saw was Virgil Abloh, the creative director for Men's he Louis Vuitton, passed, right? yeah. very suddenly died yeah. at forty one. Mm-hmm. Well, he he had been ill, right? But nobody knew. He, so not publicly, but so yeah, publicly yeah, yeah. it was very sudden. Yeah. He had been uh, I, in after hours, sick. Carlos. I'm gonna ask you a question. No, he's not about Adam Driver and I'd like to analyze a little bit about why you don't like him. He's, <laughs> he's a bad actor. Okay, well, well, let's pick it up there. So, yeah, I, I mean, this is not a film that I'm going to give some resounding endorsement to, but it was a pleasant time at the movies. I think it was kind of this salacious, dark satire for for the most part um, that maybe makes the mistake of trying to take itself a little too seriously towards the end of it. The fact that it's inspired by real life events maybe get some people hung up on it that that doesn't hang me up as much um personally but but well, i didn't get know it. these people i did yeah we were personal friends there you go me and well, patricia there you go but i did i think that for me if she does win the oscar for it i won't be terribly mad i, w- I, I won't mean, come be on. I won't be the happiest I've ever been, but I won't well, be. Hold on, angry. who is going Would you put to up against her? her right now? We've seen a lot of the movies oh God, that have a lot me of those spot like that. At least get I mean, to our there year are, end there are, there are better something. performances for sure, but not well, who, as clickbaity. Well, I, I don't. Uh, we're gonna get into a whole Oscar voting thing. I don't know if she gets rewarded for being Lady Gaga. If if there is another performance or two. That is a better performance. Did she get nominated for Star Is Born? I don't remember. I'm pretty sure she did. Yeah, I feel like she did. I feel like she might have won. She won. God. They won best song. I know they won. They best won song. song. Yeah. I don't think she won actress. I don't think. Uh, yeah. I, I Find see, out when we I return. Ja- yeah, 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 yeah. I see Jared getting uh, uh, nominated easily. Maybe I, see I don't Al Pacino know. Getting that, nominated. I think that's a tougher no, one. It's so showboaty. It's so what well, the Oscars it love. It is, to but celebrate. it's so over the top and silly that I think that body it, transformation, hair. You know, transformation, comedy right. has trouble with the Oscars. The Oscars have trouble with comedy. I should say. Mm, it, it, so I, I think. Did we do a know. commercial already? No, 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 okay. no. That that may be that may be a little tough, but um, but I don't know. But I would certainly. I won't be surprised. At all, if she's at least nominated, and if she wins, like I said, I wouldn't be angry because she was very fun to watch, and I think she did a good job embodying the character. I think the the, the costume design deserves some accolades too. Sure, it, okay. it should probably be nominated in that c- category at the very least. So, you know, it's a fun night at the movies, or in my case, afternoon because I'm old. But you know, it's it's a, it's a fun outing at the movies with with maybe a significant other or a date or what, whatever you're doing. Don't get too bogged down in whether or not this is true to life. Go read the book if you really want to know the ins and outs of that family and their squabbles. It's I'm sure even more fascinating than the film and how it depicts it because I think it gets a lot more If this minute. is a book that you'd like to read, you don't need our suggestion that you go. You probably already went to go see it. Fair. That's fair. Fair, yeah. So, but but I'm just saying, like, I, I think if you if you go in expecting a lot, you're going to be very disappointed. If you go in expecting something somewhat breezy and somewhat of a takedown of this kind of elitist fashion culture, then I think, yeah, you're, you're, you're probably going to enjoy it. 
I think you will be happy to know that Lady Gaga did not win Best Actress. Okay. Olivia Coleman did. Yes. Oh, yes. yes. That was the favorite year. Yes. Okay. Very yeah. nice. All they right. did win Best Song. You were correct about that. Well, speaking of winning awards for Best Things, <laughs> it's horrible. It's Brooklyn Brewery. Brewery. <laughs> Brewery. Did, did this? Have we had Brooklyn on this show before? It's a great question. I have a feeling you're going to tell us in a moment. Why don't you vamp? While so I yeah, up. we we have this imperial stout that has been aged in four roses bourbon barrels. Mm. Um, I you know I said it was boozy on the nose. I think the flavor was not as boozy as I expected, just based on what I was smelling. It w- wasn't quite as hot. Pretty good bourbon character. But the body on it's a little thinner than I was remembering. I mean, I feel like I've had past versions of this, and it was a heftier kind of drinking experience. This was a little too sippable for for me, because it it is 12.5% or 12.4%. 12.4, yeah. I shouldn't be able to throw this back as quickly as I just did. And um, but, but you did. I did. I don't but know. Did. Should I hold that against the beer that I drank it too quickly? We've had one beer from Brooklyn back in episode thirteen when we Ooh. when we reviewed Tully. Okay. It had to have had some bourbon tie-in. And it was well, the, we did their the local, bourbon. There was their local one Belgian strong pale ale. Oh, interesting. interesting. Yeah, it was yeah, a yeah. long time that ago. Was, that oh, no, was. it wasn't Tully. It was um, the, Young Adult. Young Adult is one. where yeah, yeah, yeah. Patton that's when we Oswald, had the Bourbon, we did Bourbon County Reserve brand that. stout yeah. from 2017. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny. Anyway, I... Good movies. I, I had no expectations. For sure. So I, I, I don't... I came with a clearer palate, perhaps. But mm-hmm. I was going to say, that had a very strong alcohol... Nose. So when boozy. you mentioned yeah. ethanol, uh, both of you, I, I could relate, but I wasn't. That's, fill my car with this. That's very negative. That's a that and ethanol is a negative word, and I didn't have a negative experience with it. it. It went down smooth. I haven't had much to eat. I've already thought we had commercials on the show earlier. So I mean, clearly this this thing went straight to my head, mm-hmm. which should make the second half uh, fantastic. <laughs> Cut to I sponsors. So. But I'm going to suggest that everyone go out and try to find this. How did we acquire this one? This was right off the shelf at our local uh, beer emporium. Today? Uh, today. Okay, yeah. I'm going to go get you it a, today. a four pack yeah. of it, probably four. I'm, yep. su- I'm surprised that they were and, still more. And I'm not super it. expensive. I'm, I mean, it was I, like. Wait, a, you bought a four pack of this? Yeah. I thought, I, 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 I thought they would have sold it in singles. I want to no. own it. So uh, that's my that's my ringing endorsement <laughs> of Well, there, there you go. It can be yours. I liked it. It was good. Enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah. No complaints. Well, could it have been more like motor oil? Sure. Yeah. Will I hold that against it? No. It was a little thin. That's what I was. Yeah, that, yeah. I mean, that, liked that, it. I, I dangerous. Loved it yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, imagine drinking Goes one of those faster. sixteen Oof. ounce cans all by yourself. Oh, let's let, let's let a fire and let's imagining do it. right now. Yeah, <laughs> let's light a fire outside and do it right now. Well, speaking of lighting big big fires, we're going to discuss another film by Ridley Scott when we come back from the break. Let's get to it, baby. Yeah, let's get some beer in the glass before we forget, huh? Like, because we easily get carried away. So, what'd you bring us? 
I brought uh, something from Westbrook Brewing, which we have had couple a couple times. couple times on the show. We had that. Uh, they did an Evil Twin collaboration with that um, wedding cake, stout. super duper wedding cake stout. Mm-hmm. Watched Love it with Zombieland. Look that up mm-hmm. on our website. Episode number I don't remember. Fun, fun, fun. I don't remember. One hundred eighteen. The last see how good this is. Yeah. yeah. That was a good one. With Mr. Deeds. With Mr. Deeds. Yeah. So, so if you haven't watched Mr. Deeds in a while, go watch Mr. Deeds. Go back right to now. the archives. Highly Check recommend. that out. Well, well, this is another cake beer. This is actually the one I think that they were known for that got that collaboration going. This is the Mexican cake, uh, which is an imperial stout made by Westbrook. And this isn't a collaboration of any sort. This is just them on their own bad selves. Uh They're out of Mount Pleasant, South Carolina, if we haven't said that before. Shouts out, South Carolina. This is 10.5%, so a little bit of a step down from what we had in the first half with Black Ops. Yeah, we're going going light and breezy in the second half. But it is an imperial stout. It has not just the, you know, sort of expected grain bill and and, and all that of an imperial stout. It also has these adjuncts of cacao nibs. Vanilla beans, mm. cinnamon, and habanero peppers, my friends. Oh, so, yes. so it's like we're gonna get fuck. we're gonna get this yes. fantastic. Get this I on into our glass. We I haven't had a double stout episode in quite a while. We haven't. I did not know there were habaneros in this. I'm really fucking pumped now. Well, good. Okay, so nothing like expectations. I'm excited here too. It's been a while. I've had this in the past, but it's been a few years, and this is the 2021 batch. So. I don't want to rush along. Let's get. I want to smell this before we talk about. Uh, we're going to talk about Sheldon sure. Louise from Ridley Scott. Which I'll say the tie in there being that uh, throughout this film, the characters are making their way to Mexico. So they did not leave a whole lot for us. The I, Oh, come on. That's a 22 ouncer, right? I'm just going to take a little bit. I got to drive. You, you're going to get a full glass out of that if you want it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, L- leave me a sip. Don't, don't, be, <laughs> don't be a jerk I mean, that pour it. is thick. It's thick. Yeah. I mean, I saw David pour it and I was like, oh, that looks okay, thick. So you but say habanero peppers. Good. My question is, are there peppers on the nose? I'm not getting a lot of pepper on the nose. I'm not getting a lot of nose in general. Maybe I'm just stuffy. Are you chewing gum? I'm not. Okay. Although so, I do typically chew gum with my beer. I'm going to proceed unless some of y'all have some kind of mind. No, go thing for it. Let's. The, the, this beer. Pours like motor oil. We're going to sip on nice this head. thing. Nice like, head. Not getting a ton of aromatics, but I'm not. I'm not going to mark that against it right no, now. No, no, no. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Okay, so Thelma and Louise. I've seen this movie exactly one time before this viewing, and that was in the theater when it came out. And I remember the buzz and the hype around it. And I remember it being sold as a crime spree film led by two women, which would be a turn from what we kind of normally see. Yeah, especially in 1991, right? Is when this came out? Yeah. Um, But Ridley Scott, again, no gladiators, no aliens. He's he's not an alien. No, he's saying, but not in this film. He's not doing this. This is not a sci-fi film. This is not a (laughs) sword and sandal epic. I was confused because Gladiator obviously comes after this. Yes. Um, He directs uh, Susan Sarandon and Gina Davis as Thelma and Louise, who are making plans to go on a weekend trip. Fishing, fishing. <laughs> uh, girls weekend away, just the two of us. Going but we fishing. learn as they plan their trip, we learn that these are uh, working class kind of socioeconomic families, mm-hmm. people, so people. 
Thelma's a housewife, right? Though there are no children, so no children. she's so a housewife. Right. But I, yeah, that's yeah. He's not a yeah. stay-at-home married not a stay-at-home mom. Shooter. Housewife, yeah. She's married. Shooter McGavin. Yeah, Shooter McGavin, um, who crushes his role in this f- film. He's kind of been stereotyped in the comedy, but he, and there is there are comedic elements. To he this is a film. funny. It's a funny character. He's a funny yeah, he, character. he is often the comic relief. Yeah, like who in most I, of I the characters him. is going through a a a mega transformation in the short period of time that this film happens. Yeah, and well, he is one of those characters as well. Um, but they are going to go out for a good time and in, in attempting to find one, go into a kicker bar to do a little dancing and drinking with... Uh, and uh, it turns out, unfortunately, that Gina Davis's character is assaulted in the parking lot and the film takes a huge turn at this point when mm-hmm. this the assailant is eventually shot by... Uh, Louise. Louise. Yeah. And that leads them into this... That sets the movie off. Escalating uh, series of crimes. And and just general encounters. General encounters. That as, as then a law enforcement branch, kind of on the backside... Predictably played by Harvey, Harvey Keitel. Keitel. <laughs> Predictably. Course, it's the... He's no bad lieutenant it's here. It's the world's introduction to Brad Pitt, who I think this is probably the last film where he is under the credits of uh, Stephen Tobolowski. <laughs> That's right. It doesn't happen again Stephen after Tobolowski. this. I, I, I hope that there will be a film later that Tobolowski gets I liked, top billing. I like and, that guy. Oh, Tobolowski's oh, great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There, there's actually, you don't know who yeah. we're talking about, we're talking about the guy who says to Bill Murray in Ned <laughs> Groundhog Day. Yeah, that last first step is a doozy. Yeah, all right, he's <laughs> so Ned Ryerson. Um, but the film I remember at the time was this like, um, had the, the whole media cycle about this. I hate the word feminist because it's so often misused, but but the, it is well, not. It is. It's not misused, in and this it was film. and it was totally billed that way. Understood, but yeah. it comes with connotations for people that immediately dismiss it as something that it isn't. But it's well, it, most people can kick fucking rocks. <laughs> the idea of female empowerment, the idea of females not only being the lead of a film, which we see every time there's a great female-led film, that mm-hmm. this is the film that's breaking down the doors, right? Um, but it of of Silicon Valley complete enlightenment that just happens to happen during a crime spree of these two women who have to confront things in their past things about their future the inevitability of where they will land because they are criminals in the system that we have the husbands and boyfriends waiting at home for them do we want to go backward or do we always continue want to go forward Mm, and I gotta say I can't wait to hear what y'all have to think about it but it's not even just like once the crimes I mean I guess it technically is once the crime spree begins but the thing that begins the spree is the fact that because of certain societal standards and expectations they can't go to the police for the simple fact that Thelma was seen dancing with the guy that was yeah. uh, that ended up assaulting her because no one would believe that she actually was assaulted and right. that the self-defense right. measure everyone in that bar while, saw y'all dancing cheek to cheek for two hours yeah while it's not technically self-defense because they had got away but why such actions would have been taken right they would not have been believed so then because of that we're did we, we, should we live in a society where a woman who says that she was assaulted is going to be believed the back one hour and 30 minutes of this film doesn't take place right, right. so right. from the jump i feel it is already kind of 
illuminating some things and has well, I can't this say realistic sure. feminist kind of uh, lens yeah, to it. I can't say for sure how accurate it was at the time. Because here's what I learned when I watched it the second time. I was way too young to appreciate what this film was and was trying to purposefully do when I saw it as a very much younger you man. You were 20? When did it come out? 91? 91. So how many years ago was that? How well, old am I right now? What 1972. Okay, okay, so you were 19. 19. That was close. Or, or, Way or, too young to understand the, the the importance of what I was seeing. Yeah. I read the articles about this emblematic notion of of female empowerment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But what the fuck is a 19 stupid ass kid gonna know about that? Yeah, it was very dumb. Watching 19. it now, I get the whole thing. It was fucking fantastic. This is such a good movie. Okay. Can I start the discussion as someone who has just seen this for the first time? No. Okay, go 30 ahead. years <laughs> after its release. Well, I want you... Okay. Don't don't Adam Driver this. No. I want you to perform. I want you to play this as if you've seen it three times. Yeah. And this third <laughs> viewing is where it finally locks in. Go. Don't, well, no, the don't reason, Adam Driver it. We want you to the rocket. Uh, <laughs> the reason... Look, uh, the reason that I, I, I want to start the conversation under with that yeah that framework mm-hmm. is because i know all the cultural references from this movie sure. like i've seen it referenced a hundred times uh so i recognize the kind of head scarf thing mm-hmm. that she's wearing i knew how it ended before it started mm-hmm. um all of this kind of stuff you know what i mean um Similar to, but not quite the same as as Jaws, which we talked about last year, where I had kind of been averse to watching that because of how referenced it had been, because of how built up it had been. Both big zeitgeist films. Both films that sort of defined their years in cinema. Exactly. Jaws more so probably, but I understand the idea of being like halted obstacle of, of expectation. Sure. and But with this movie... The difference being that no one had ever really hyped it up to me the way people do with Jaws and yeah, said, like, sure. you haven't seen yep. this? And until you just said it right now, mm-hmm. I didn't know what a huge, like, cultural okay. touchstone it was. I yeah. didn't know that yeah, it was you were, being you weren't hyped up it. at that yeah. time. Yeah, I literally had not been born yeah. yet. So I didn't know that it was a thing that everyone was writing articles about and everybody said you had to go see it. I knew it was a popular film. With two enough strong to have female been, leads. Enough to have been referenced. Sure, I didn't yeah. even think about it in the two strong female leads. I because at this point, it's, for most of my life, Susan Sarandon and Gina Davis have been like just touchstones of popular culture. Yeah. Susan Sarandon more so because her career went on a little longer than Gina Davis's did. But I've seen Gina Davis in a ton of stuff, yeah. you know, and I know her and I like her. And so I was like, oh yeah, it makes sense that these two movie stars would be in a movie together. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, I I didn't kind of put all this stuff together. Um, this is an amazing movie. This movie's so fucking good. By the at the end of it, I was furious with myself having not seen it oh, yeah. before this, because it's dare I say a perfect movie. Ooh. I can't think of anything that I would really change oh, about it good. for I, like the time that it came out in. You know, I, 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 I don't. Want, I don't want to be the Debbie Downer here, but I guess I have to be. So oh, wow. this movie's so good. I, no, the movie's great. The movie's great. I'm I, the I, Captain Muff Diver. I, 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 <laughs> it was ridiculous. I, I like the movie a lot. I, I'm. I'm a big fan. 
It was one that when it originally came out, I was too young to see. I was I was only 12, I think, when this hit theaters. Okay. But I remember it being talked about. Definitely and I remember young, it being yeah. talked about in this way that I was like, all the adults around me are, are talking about this film. This is a film that everybody's talking about. Like at family gathering, people are talking. I mean, you only know, see Thelma and Louise. Over at a friend's house, their parents are talking about. You know, like it was this cultural moment that summer or whatever of 91 yeah. that w- w- it was just on everybody's lips. Years later... I was probably in high school, I think probably with Aaron, I think renting it on VHS and like, okay, well, we got to see this movie, Thelma and Louise. Remember that? Like four or five years ago, everybody was talking about that. We got to see this film. And I think like you, Joe, I didn't probably appreciate enough the the sort of feminist, uh, you know, moment that it was for, for cinema because I didn't have the right kind of perspective on That's what... It what had been done before sure. and how it broke from that and how it sort of really couched a lot of what led these women into this, you know, crime spree. I don't intend being on behaving like the men being toxic masculinity. Right, I, right. There was something cartoonish about right. some of the bad behavior, although as I've come to realize, not even as cartoonish as real life at times, you know, that that's, we use this term cartoonish with the sex. I think people get worse than Adam Driver and Lady Gaga in that scene when it comes down to it. But uh, Are you talking about Thelma and Brad Pitt. I, I'm, no, I'm talking about the, in the last ha- in the first half of the episode where you say that it was cartoonish the sex scene between oh, yeah. Gaga and Driver. I'm like, I've seen worse. But okay. th- that's I mean, it. I think I've also seen worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That doesn't make that good. No, it do- <laughs> well, it doesn't make any of it good. I thought, but- <laughs> I thought, I thought it was kind of tame. I don't yeah. even know what so anyhow, anyhow, <laughs> anyhow. But what I was going to say is, I did in watching it. This I think this is probably the third time I saw it. Watch, yeah, watching it this time, it struck me how much I hate the soundtrack in this film. It's I bad. really, really fucking hate the score in this film. I the score and the soundtrack. It's bad to me. You think the score? Is I would. Bad? I would love to see this film recut. <sighs> Hold on. with a different soundtrack. I feel like I would appreciate it that much. What were more. they trying to do with that soundtrack? Because it's certainly Western twang. Is like yeah, yeah. Yeah. Dirt, dirty country in the south. Was that yeah. what they were doing? Lots of like fucking whammy bar guitar, mm-hmm. like vibrating throughout. Yeah, yeah. Like just don't need that shit. It just didn't. It didn't fit them. It did. It kind of fits Arkansas and like right. the, the, it was all geography, but I barely. Think. Like it just. I did not appreciate that. It like took I, you out of. I it. found Aaron and I were turning to each other constantly. Like I don't remember the score being this obnoxious. I don't but, think it's aged well. I think it was probably fine. Yeah, when the movie came yeah. Out. But but other than that, right. so I I do like this third watching. Perfect chink film, in the armor. Saying, so when you no, say no. perfect film, I'm like not quite perfect. Not quite perfect. I liked Hans Zimmer's score. I thought it for me it worked in this movie. The, the, the Zim does the lots of great work. I just problem. well he yeah. doesn't really even do any of the it. The real problem <laughs> is having the subtitles on and reading the lyrics to the country music, and it was it the, made. Oh, you didn't like that song? Um, I'm sure there was a song. Tennessee plates. The John that, Hyatt song. Oh, that was fine. Yeah, that, that was, was fine. fine. There were the, great there foreshadowing. Were, there were a few songs in there that were okay, but a lot of them no good. I, I don't want to get score generally. That, yeah, I know. Well, no, I just, but on. I just when somebody's I saying mean, it's a perfect, on, I gotta, gotta, we're talking music. I'm sorry. Go no, ahead, <laughs> well, no, but I mean, but we talked about the missteps in the soundtrack for uh, for House of Gucci, which, by the way, I did not find as offensive as you did. I so, found it pretty offensive. This one, I guess, maybe because I didn't immediately recognize a ton of or uh, the music that wasn't score 
to me wasn't quite as recognizable as like faith or something like that. Yeah. You know? And so, and did it, so it didn't offend me as much. Mm-hmm. Um, I just took it as like, yeah, I mean, they had real twangy accents and every time they drive anywhere, there's this huge cloud of dust behind them and like all the, you know, so, all, <laughs> yeah. so to me it fit yeah. like the context of the film. Was it, is it a soundtrack that I'm like going to see if they ever made on vinyl so that I can listen to it in my free time? Fuck no. Uh, Did you look it up on Discogs though? No. $500. You're for lying. Vi- no, I'm just, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't doubt <laughs> Nobody's it. Nobody's going to repress that shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 that's why I think that it would be worth some money well, if they did make it back in the day. comes out, there may be a... Uh, right, a big run, yeah. But, but yeah, the soundtrack worked for me. I... Off the top of my head, and granted, I only saw it once, and I really didn't know what to expect. Like, I didn't know that Louise killed a guy, and that's what I didn't know much about the plot. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? I knew some of the references to the imagery, I knew how it ended, I had a vague understanding of the vibe, mm-hmm. but I didn't know hard plot points yeah. going in. So, when that happened, I was like, oh, I looked at Kylie and I was like, oh shit, this took a turn. And so, the whole movie, I was just strapped in, like, what's where are we going what's happening yeah. you know and like i, I love gina Davis. and to me the character just just to settle that you it was never pressed here but you can get a german copy for like five bucks if you need it so they, <laughs> they you, so no the vinyl is not okay. precious yeah okay yeah i know what i'm getting you for christmas <laughs> i'll be excited okay uh, so th- th- sorry oh, to i want to say i, I want to say i when you were watching it carlos i imagine that you saw as i did in this viewing that how how well to me the characters unfold mm-hmm. how a flower opens for every single character every single one even stupid uh, husband daryl daryl wait real quick we never definitively find out what happened in texas right no okay no we, we could guess a it's, version it's, yeah, yeah. But clearly got to be some kind of assault of some sort probably sexual assault yeah. on her yeah i mean it's that's definitely obvious i mean very blatantly hinted at yeah several times but i wasn't sure if it was ever point blankly stated well, the, and the i film, missed it the film I didn't as it. i interpret it and please DM us, write us, find us on all the social media shit to tell me how, if I'm wrong, is just this idea of pent up aggression at the system that keeps females at arm's length from from a full and purpose, you know, from a full life. Mm-hmm. That the that they would rather die. Then go back to being free. Forget the incarceration that was an imminent, but yeah. being free in the world that we're leaving right now. And the way that that's done is an expression of male c- characters, wherein the only one that has any redemption, if you, I mean, Michael Madsen kind of does, except he clearly has an abusive, violent temper. You know what I mean? And, and all kinds of other baggage that must have been in that relationship. Yeah. Is Car- Carvey Keitel, who is compassionate, yeah. who we believe wants the best for them in the horrible situation that they are that they Thinks are, the situation has been misunderstood, is trying to convince other people that, yes. Yeah. Sure. He's trying to keep them from being like, literally like mowed down in a hail yes. of gunfire. But, <laughs> but he's the lone kind of non-male aggressive 
in the police force where we, just, you know, we're going to even Toblowski is like aggressive. Of, of course, all yeah. people. we're going to see um, that this officer in his free time is reading a boudoir magazine, some kind of Playboy yeah, version yeah. Of, of a magazine, like which is kind of funny. Sure, that, but that's it's, that's, but it's that's demonstrating. Really but it's demonstrating, you know, the idea that it's perfectly okay for men to, you know objectify women yeah even at a, at a high profile high respect quote-unquote job as, as as a police officer mm-hmm. the other police officer that they put in the trunk you yeah. know is is using this and i soft. guess well i say is using this like forceful dominating tone and i know as a police officer you kind of have to do that and you've got to place people in intimidating mm. make them feel intimidated mm. so that you can keep the upper hand in a potentially violent situation but then gina davis comes along and completely takes control of the situation and he starts reducing crying. him to this yeah whimpering <laughs> wuss yeah and then he gets the guy this, that, the, the he gets the ganja that, smoke blown yeah, the in the holes <laughs> of the trunk that guy was so funny yeah. uh, I, I don't i don't know we could go on and on about that but then there's also this and i know I'm taking up a lot of time but this yeah. is also this um transformative moment in gina davis certainly the most obviously played yeah where i'm more awake than i have ever been and you get into this notion of just enlightenment and people male and female being being wore down by where they place themselves let's be honest ultimately yeah. the responsibility is on you where you have placed yourself but then that systemic just Inferiority in a in a typical male female relationship as it's displayed. A heteronormative. I don't. Know, I thought it was fucking great. I, I actually mean, so far ahead of its time. Even if some of the dialogue comes off a little preachy in today's standards, but maybe. back then that had to have been I think mind blowing to be talked about on screen. I think some of today's stuff is a bit preachier than than this could ever dream of being. I I, I think now that now that I'm thinking about it, Louise probably killed a would-be attacker in texas because when it, gina davis starts laughing about it intimates what that she got into to, guns and probably self-protection yeah with guns. what happened to harvey was that his name harlan oh, what happened to harlan uh at one point gina davis starts kind of laughing about it and louise like shuts it down pretty yeah much. anyway um maybe saying a perfect film was too much can you because can you imagine can you imagine if like Catherine Bigelow had directed this or something like that. Like a really good woman direct, like a, a director who's a woman who can kind of approach this. I mean, not we that, I, a, yeah, we, not we, that we, I thought anything deal really with Catherine Bigelow on, on the show at some point. I don't know how, if I feel about her the same way that you do, but I mean, Zero Dark Thirty and well, Hurt no, Locker. First, the, well, I, I don't know. I, I liked the Hurt Locker when it came out. I haven't seen it in a long I, time. I mean, I have some love for some of the stuff she's done. Zero Dark Thirty, though. She, no. she kind of got into a mode that I'm not yeah. super happy with. But um, but that said, yeah, I mean, like, what a female storyteller might have brought to it that, that Scott didn't. I, I think there's something there. I think that's true. But I do, you know, watching this film again... I found it to be incredibly entertaining, great performances. It is very entertaining. It, well, it it's, just and Sarandon is is great. I've always liked Susan she's Sarandon, Durham. in just about everything that I've ever seen her in. Still is great, but this role in particular is one that I feel like 
every time I've seen it, I, it just, it feels effortless. It feels like it's just kind of yeah. like, ro- it feels like it's her. And yet I've seen her in other role. I've seen her playing the demure, innocent in Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah. I've seen her playing, Someone's you know, the, the weathered mom and the, yeah. you know, like, the, so I've seen all these other very, but this just feels like so effortless and so, so much of her. Gina Davis, I think is underrated sadly and i think like you say didn't go on to have quite the same kind of longevity as sarandon did and i think that was somewhat on purpose i think she she got pissed off about the kind of roles she was being offered and and kind of walked away a little bit but and and i think i think took a very conscious kind of look and recognized the i don't know blatant kind of objectification of women and was like you know what fuck this right Uh, and was like, I'm not going to allow myself to either A, be objectified or B, diminished because of like my age. And now I can only play someone's mom or whatever. Yeah. Um, and, and actually, the, I she there was a documentary that she was, I think she produced it and was in it about sexism in the film industry called This Changes Everything that was out just a few years ago oh, that was really good. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely worth tracking down. So... You know, but but that said, it's great to see these two actors performing at the top level of of what they do, being given these kind of characters to do that with. And like Joe was saying, I mean, this is a feminist film and it is showing you toxic masculinity from many different angles. And it's amplified. To be fair, I believe that it is is amplified to make the point in the film. Sure. I mean every the, single male character When we're story te- when we're telling stories, we have to be, we sure. have to do these kind of stretch we talk about They meet they they meet the worst truck driver. But then they meet the worst guy in the yes. bar. They meet, you know, their husband is the worst. Uh, yeah. You know well, I, mean? I think I think in the case of Daryl, he's the worst. And I think that I think that Christopher McDonald gives a great performance in this movie. He's I think they could have gone way more over the top he with that character. Well, that, he, that, he, that, he, I he will agree with you with the truck driver and with Harlan and, and the club, but but Daryl is actually almost more sympathetic than I would expect that character to be ultimately. But there's a transformation okay. in his character. Okay, I mean, well, I, in my opinion, <laughs> yeah. I never read him as sympathetic. I think he could have been worse. Like they could have shown him like hitting her and stuff, and that would yeah, have oh, been yeah. worse. The physical abuse um, would have done it. Yeah, the, although the emotional abuse is. Pretty, the emotional abuse is bad. I mean, it's it's bad, and it's it, also I, they I don't, never I don't, I don't, they never really flesh out what it is that he's doing that keeps him at the. Oh, he's cheating for sure. No, like, but that, let's not. I get it, so, but they but you don't see that. No, you don't see no, scenes but, of that. But it's, but it's obvious. I feel. They could have portrayed him in a car, more I, cartoonishly worse way. I, I think I think that the one of the strengths of this film is like never quite. Um, like defining what happens in Texas. I think one of the strengths of this film is not showing us directly Daryl cheating on Thelma. Sure. Some of that stuff happens off screen. And I think it's very much to the benefit of the film. Jimmy's kind of rough for me. Uh, I find Michael Michael Madsen kind of distracting. Um, And, but I don't know. He has a redeeming quality or two to him. The Harlan character, I think to kind of go against what you were saying, Joe, is that I don't think that that's an over-the-top character. I don't think it's that they found the worst person that they could have in the bar. Look, I think She ran into the worst man she could have. Well, no, but she didn't. But the thing is, she didn't run into him. He approached. He, he went, yeah. came to them. 
And he identified them. He targeted them. And that guy is... And clearly it's told later with questioning of people that know him that he yeah. does yeah, this that's kind the thing of he's, thing. But, yeah. I mean, that guy hangs out at the social every Saturday. That guy oh, you can find at Flanagan's every Saturday. Like, Church on Sunday? That yeah, that Probably. guy that guy exists, and yeah. he's and he that guy exists, and he lives in your town, and he's doing that on a regular basis. And you know what I mean? A promising young woman. He is right. not a caricature. I've 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 no remorse for that guy. I I, I think, understood, but but the system makes her a murderer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then very quickly sure. makes Gina Davis an accomplice to murder. Yeah, and I you know, and I think it's also interesting. You know, to go back to a, kind of what you're saying about they, you know, it's heightened and they encountered the worst, blah, 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 blah. You know, it's it's kind of interesting to think about if this movie had been made in 2021, maybe some of the nuance that they would have approached what happened with Harlan with, you know, because in, in this film it's depicted terribly and it's a very difficult scene to watch. Very difficult, um, very difficult. As Thelma is very out, she's like crying and she's saying like, stop, you know, whatever. Yeah, and I yeah. think that... This I think that if this was made today, it'd be more of a promising young woman situation where there's not as definitive a moment where it's like there's a hard no being said and depicting it in this other way. Um, yeah, but I but yeah, but I still think that that guy is a real fucking dude that exists in it, and I and I think I think that makes him less of a dramatization of a person and more of just like a fucking real depiction of like an actual guy that exists in the world right now. Yeah. You know, and it, and it makes the film more grounded, even as things get heightened as the film goes on. I mean, Gina Davis, after being told one time, remembers a very long script uh, <laughs> for armed robbery, you know, and walks into this yeah. place. Uh, you know, some uh, of that, that stuff point, starts, she was awake, Carlos. Yeah. Some of that stuff starts to get elevated as the film goes on. Um, and especially them trapping a cop, the, the stones you would have to have to lock a cop in the trunk of a car. Like that's a ballsy move. But, but here's the thing. Susan Sarandon does such a good job showing us her complete understanding of the elevated stakes as they become elevated yeah. and they become elevated to a place where when, um, Harvey Keitel's telling her on the telephone, I don't want you to die. Mm. Like, you know how you know how it gets out there? The adrenaline gets it ramped up. The, you know. The, she's like, I don't, she's they, like, maybe they, I want to. Yeah. Yeah. She's they, like, they could easily be killed by the police because the police, I mean, have every bit of evidence that they are like armed and dangerous. They've done some Pulling shit at up this point. Some fucking uh, uh, gas tankers and whatnot. Oh, I, for, I first of all did not see that coming. Second of all, badass. <laughs> that shit was how, so how, badass. How do you punish that man? I well, I thought they were gonna do the classic like western, like make him dance. You know, I thought oh, they were yeah. gonna start shooting. Yeah. Like I, that's what I was expecting was as he's walking away, them just nah, start blow shooting up his, his livelihood. And that's then, better. But yeah. instead, Susan Sarandon's a crack shot, which goes supports what you said earlier that yeah. at some point she got into like guns and self-defense and stuff in Texas. But then Gina Davis just going full wild card and yeah. blowing the whole I, I, just want, I want to clarify one thing. It was the appropriate decision to caricaturize the, the men in this film. And Carlos, I'm going to completely agree with you that Harlan, the, the rapist in the parking lot, it, it, it is not an exaggeration. Yeah, that was the appropriate decision to make. We we needed women to be able to tell a story like this, and and what the long term ramifications are for a, a sexual abuse, you know. And it 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 
it can eat at you the rest of your life. And so to see these two women finding a level of liberation. Okay, so this is the fairy tale part. I believe that at some point the narrative becomes a, a more of a fairy tale kind of exaggerated thing. It's it's around the time they meet Brad Pitt, you know, where yeah. things begin to escalate and then get us a little more um, uh, visceral. Uh, you know, I think there's a change in cinematography there where it becomes cleaner and brighter, and it's 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 showing you. This this fairy tale with an ending that's hardly a fairy tale ending, but but the fairy tale is. I mean, if you think about the fairy tales you grew up with, some of them are kind of dark. Yeah, sure. I, I believe that we're seeing a break from the reality once the 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 true understanding of what going back to real life is going to look like for these girls. Yeah, mm. it definitely. It I got, definitely. I, I didn't read anything about that. I just kind of when I was watching it, I was like, they may be trying to do something like that here. Yeah, it definitely. It becomes elevated, heightened, yeah. it becomes less like quote unquote realistic at a certain point. Like the 999,999.99% of people out of a million percent of people or whatever, out of a million people, I shouldn't have said percent. I yeah. was going for a number there. Right. Uh, wouldn't do this like you know yeah. like this is not the path that very many people are going to take or anybody really so i so i think you're right that is kind of where it ventures into that territory but ultimately at the end of the day i've talked about this before especially when we're talking about like more kind of like art house types of films that have some kind of thing that they're getting at but do it in a very kind of obtuse way the thing i the reason I like this movie so much is that it has a point to make. It has something to say, but it's also thoroughly entertaining and mm-hmm. like fun to watch. It's mm-hmm. a good time at the movie theater. If you were alive in 1991 to go to it, sadly I wasn't, mm-hmm. uh, or old enough. Dan. Yeah. Um, but also it's a, it's a, it's a great time, but also will leave you kind of, you know, talking to whoever you went with about some stuff. Yeah. And I think that is, you know, I'm not saying that this is, but I think that experience is the platonic form of movie going experiences. You know what I mean? Like that is the heights that you can achieve with film is entertaining people and then tricking them in the process of that entertainment to think about things in Mm -hmm. a serious way. Yeah. I I couldn't agree more. I I think that this is one of those cases where you had that perfect balance of um, escapist entertainment and valuable storytelling that taps you into real dynamics that you're dealing with on, on an everyday basis. And exaggerating you them score. slightly. Yeah, it could have had a better score, <laughs> but exaggerating them slightly for effect so that you can see that and realize it in more vivid terms. Um, you know, again, the performances are great. I think. It's it's funny as time goes on how this kind of also becomes this time capsule of, you know, the birth of Brad Pitt as a cinematic mm-hmm. phenomenon. And he does a great job as, as so. JD in, in this. Like, I remember it, that new guy's great, you know. Yeah, 
Yeah. Which is he's crazy going think, places, and yeah. he did. Yeah, and he's, <laughs> and he's, he's like 27 did. in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Which is older than I expected. Yeah. Based on his appearance. Right. Well, he's he has always had boyish looks, so it's it's kind of helped him to play. He has aged well. Yeah, he has. He has. Um, but you know, and and plays a good function here, right? He's one of the more sympathetic male characters, and yet he's also one of the more despicable male he's characters. It's you know, it's <laughs> like you know, even when a guy is kind of nice he's probably got other ideas and that yeah. you know that that's you know there's some truth to that there so i i think that you know in terms of it it gives you a spectrum but of, the sexual experience that he delivers to gina davis was exactly was worth what all the money needed. that he stole no i'm saying it's exactly what she needed as far <laughs> as this like character like the idea of Hold on, let's back up. You're telling me you wouldn't spend sixty six hundred dollars to have sex with Brad Pitt? <laughs> Am I telling you that, or is Joe telling yeah, you? Yeah, you're telling me that because you, you said it was. I said it was, it was worth it. I said it was. worth You said it. I thought you were questioning. Oh no no no! I was saying it was okay, worth the, yeah. the price. Yeah. Well, all I got to do is rob worth a, the price rob of a convenience store, and you're back in business, Dave. You're back at it. That's you right. You know what's funny? And he's giving you the tool. Yeah. Yeah. What's funny about that scene was like when that happened. I'm thinking to myself, this is why I can't write movies because. A, I would never think to put even a fictional character in such dire straits as having been robbed of the only like thing that they yeah. have left. And then as soon as it was happening, I was like, man, if I was Luis, I'd probably just be like, all right, I'm done. Fuck this. <laughs> you know? I don't want to be around I don't want to be around I got all this shit on me. Uh, and... And as it's like, as it's happening, I'm like, what the fuck are they going to do? You know? And then, <laughs> as, and then as soon as they pull over at that gas station, I'm like, ah, yeah, of course. That's what they're going to do. I should have, if yeah. I was a better writer, I would have immediately well, and, thought and that. And to that end, Callie Corey, who wrote the screenplay here. And I mean, Crushed as much as it. this is a Ridley Scott film, yes, he directed it. It took him a while to be convinced that he was the one to direct it. I mean, this was a script that was being talked about that many people were getting attached to. Um, and he was, you know, going to produce it, but he wasn't convinced that he was going to be able to direct it. And I'm glad, I mean, I'm glad he brought it to life, but the fact of the matter is, is you know, from the, from the way that this story is told, from the dialogue that was written, that's being delivered, this is a film that I think is in, as, as indebted to its screenwriter as a film can be. I think like the yeah. premise here, the way it's executed, Callie Corey gets a lot of credit and she deserves it she should, for what yeah. she pulled off here. Yeah, because I think that, you know, I think that it, at the end of the day, a film is made in the editing bay, but I also think that you really, you know, you're starting, you know, halfway through the race while everyone else is starting at the, the the starting line if you have a good script you know what i mean mm -hmm. it puts like having a good script that you don't have to go through rewrites and you don't have to have actors come up to you on set and be like you know i think i would do this dialogue differently or whatever, yeah you know stuff like that uh really just i mean having a good foundation sets you up for success in a big way and yeah. a, a screenplay like this i, I mean, was glad we picked it and i I'm really glad we did too. I don't think I would have seen this. I was going otherwise. along with anything y'all wanted to do for this. And oh, yeah, Thelma and Louise. I haven't seen that since it came out. Mm -hmm. And my God, I had such a different experience 
It's on HBO Max now. Go get it. Yeah, I love. Yeah. I loved it, and I will be talking about it for quite some time. Good, to good, people good. that haven't seen it, I really had a great time watching this movie. Well, that 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 was kind of a perfect pairing in terms of films. Yeah, you know, get, getting us to see something from Ridley Scott, and some people, some of our listeners, might say. Why didn't you do his other 2021 film, The Last Duel? Because we didn't make it out to the theater, folks, while it played here for like two weeks. So, so, because so, so. I'm a millennial and I'm ruining the theater and film. <laughs> That's right. According to Ridley. We, we were too busy watching The Eternal. Sorry, Ridley. Uh, that is but, true. But, <laughs> but, but, uh, but nonetheless, we did also pair this film with... This Mexican cake beer, because, like I said, I mean, the 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 hope was that they were going to make it to Mexico. They don't. Spoilers, folks. They, they we we've alluded to it. They end up in freeze frame over the Grand Canyon. But uh, the, with Mexican cake, we're not freeze framing this. We're actually passing it down to our gullet here. What was that experience like, folks, w- w- when you're drinking this well, you, habanero infused? Yeah, you had me at habanero, and as that was the might last be the case, say it again. That was the last ingredient. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. So it's probably the, <laughs> so it took a while, but we got him right. And once you say habanero, you begin to think peppers. You begin to think peppers in your beer. Remember, I said let's sniff this thing and smell mm-hmm. peppers. We didn't smell peppers. I, I definitely can taste the habanero. I can feel it prickling it's on like my t- tongue. Tickles your it's throat. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's perfect. It's perfect. It's a perfect amount of habanero. Mm-hmm. It's a much thicker beard than the first one we had. Yes. You can tell from the pour. You can tell from that first sip. I, I'm going to say that tonight's beer pairings were both excelente. <laughs> Bellissimo. Yeah, uh, th- this this beer lives up to its reputation. Yeah. I mean, this is this is one that that uh, I had heard about in reputation before I ever tasted it, and uh, as soon as I had it, I enjoyed it. And having it again now, it is still Ooh. right there. It's just it's one of those perfectly executed, well balanced, well adjuncted stouts yeah. that just. It brings everything into focus. It, it is. It's like a you know a Mexican hot chocolate uh, take on a stout, which I'm just oh, but so so in love with. It's a great beer, fantastic beer. Love yeah. this beer. Um, Where'd you get this one? Unnamed the, delivery service. There you go. Okay. Yeah. yeah, throw us the bag. Are you still doing <laughs> that? No, this was a long time ago. Yeah. No, I got this a few months back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. It's very good. I really do love spicy stouts. We know you do. Never in a million years when I first started my beer journey, if you had told me, have you ever had a spicy beer? I would have been like, fuck you. What's wrong with you? I want <laughs> donuts and fucking, mm-hmm. um, you know. French toast. Sh- French toast and blueberries and my shit you know peanut butter and jelly sure peanut butter thank you i love a peanut butter stout so much um but i i just there's something about a stout with a little kick to it Mm -hmm. that i just find irresistible stops you in your tracks delicious tantalizing how does this one do it's great yeah i mean yeah no it's great that's great. I was going to say I could have used a little more spice, but no. So no, I think I think the uh, spice of the pepper with the kind of spice of the cinnamon balanced out with the sweetness of the vanilla bean is just 
It's all perfectly in balance. Say the full name again. Do you mind? Mexican Cake. West, Stout from yeah. Westbrook Brewing Company mm-hmm. out of uh, South Carolina. Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. Yeah. I thought it was going to be out of Westbrook, Maine. I thought this was no, a yeah, Westbrook that, dirtbag beer. Sorry. Nope. They, they, they do elevated Westbrook in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Delicious. Okay. Well, you know, and we know, the best part about this podcast is that the conversation does not end when the podcast ends. It continues on all of your favorite social media platforms. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Beer Movie Show, Instagram at Beer and a Movie, Facebook.com slash Beer and a Movie TX, Beer and a Movie Podcast.com is linked to listen to all of our over 170 past episodes. Uh, you can also find this really cool beer map that shows you all the different beers we've had, where they're from, what breweries they're from, the city, state, country even. We've been to several different countries, a dozen countries. Also, uh, we haven't really referenced it as much this week as we normally do, but you can find us on Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash beer and a movie podcast. Uh, $5 a month over there gets you a bonus episode every single week. Yes, we talk about beer. Yes, we talk about movies, but we also talk about great many other things, what other podcasts we're listening to, what records we're listening to, what television shows uh, we are watching, what movies we've watched that we did not cover on the podcast. Um what thing. Adam Driver performances should our yeah <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll give you your you your this. further reading for for Adam Driver uh, uh yeah it's a great time talk about a ton of stuff um all sorts of all sorts of different things sometimes we even let you uh help us program an episode which is always uh which is a good time if you're listening to this on Apple Podcast please rate review and subscribe help the algorithm do what it do so we can get the podcast in front of more beer and movie loving folks out there in the world. What another uh, spicy episode of Beer in a Movie. Ooh. Until next time. It was a name that sounded so sweet, synonymous with wealth, style, power, but that name was a curse, too. Mm-hmm.